I want to go ahead and invite Mark Owens back up again to read for us out of our text of Scripture, which is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. We actually read it already this morning. Um, we didn't intend to necessarily do that, but it happened, and so we're going to read it again because this is important. And I would invite you, please, to stand with me out of respect for God's Word as we are reminded that we are uh, to be under the Word of God. Amen? Like, we're to be under it and we're to listen to it and submit ourselves to it. And so with that, Mark, I'll pass it off to you. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is God's word. You may be seated. Amen. Father, one more time, we come before you and ask that you would bless the hearing of your word, the speaking of your word. Lord, may anything that is in me that I speak this morning be forgotten. Father, may you use me as a vessel this morning and only a vessel because uh, I know I also need to be submitted to this word. And so, Lord, may you just give us your favor and your blessing, and may you lead us into truth by your spirit. We pray and ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're going to be jumping into now this week, as we've already talked about peace and we've talked about hope, we're going to be talking about love. As we jump into this topic, I want to ask a question. How many of you have ever seen a version of How the, Str- the, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Anybody? Um, but you can go, this is not rhetorical. So there's like 12 people that have seen How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Okay, there we go. There's a few more hands. So um, I think, at least I, I thought before I asked that question, that How the Grinch Sold Christmas was kind of a part of our cultural psyche um, in Christmas. Like it's been around since 1956, originally written by Dr. Seuss. It's had a whole bunch of different iterations. There was the 1966 classic cartoon, which is still on TV now. Uh, at least reruns of it are still on TV now. And we have the wonderful song, um, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, that plays on B98 over and over and over again during the Christmas season um, from like what seems like July all the way to Christmas now. But nonetheless, like we, we have that. Then there was the 2000 um, live action How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which is borderline a horror movie um, with Jim Carrey in it. It's just kind of terrifying. Um, like that one's a little scary to me. But then there was the 2018 version, uh, the cartoon version, which is my personal favorite with my kids. In fact, we just watched that version. Um, and if you remember that version, in that one, they actually give us a little bit of a backstory with the Grinch and why he actually hates Christmas. So the others didn't do that, and so we don't really know why the Grinch hates Christmas and why he wants to steal Christmas. But in the 2018 version, it does give us that background. And so basically the story goes that the Grinch was an orphan kid in an orphanage, and he grew up, and he looked at all these people having amazing Christmases and Christmas feasts and Christmas presents, and he wanted one, and he just longed for Christmas to come to him, but he found that he was just alone, and he was not loved. And so what he does in the the movie is he hardens himself, and, and his heart shrinks as a result of that. But then as you watch through the movie, there's again 
something that's very consistent throughout all the iterations of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which is the character Cindy Lou Who. And Cindy Lou Who is this little girl who is this sweet little girl in Whoville. And she comes into contact with the Grinch, particularly on the night where he's stealing all the presents. And he, you can already begin to see in the story, in the movie, that his heart begins to soften a little bit towards Cindy Lou Who. But it doesn't happen fully until they're singing songs after he's stolen everything, if you remember. But then he takes the presents back down to Whoville and gives them to everybody. And everybody just stands in awe. And then the Grinch goes back up into his little cave up into the mountains. And my favorite scene of that entire movie in the 2018 version is when Cindy Lou Who shocks the Grinch by ringing the doorbell and inviting him and his dog Max to come to Christmas dinner with her family. And it shows the movie, at the end of the movie, it shows the Grinch coming to the Christmas dinner and you kind of get an insight into the Grinch's heart as he's about to ring the doorbell and he's like, no, I can't do it. They're gonna hate me, they're gonna hate me. But then he rings the doorbell. And that's when we get the kind of the mandatory goosebump moment where instead of people hating the Grinch, he's welcomed, he's loved, he's supported, he's encouraged. People come and give him big hugs, and you kind of just see him like he's uncomfortable. And then he sits at the head of the table, and he asks to say something, and he says that it was because of the kindness and love of this little girl that his heart grew. Now, there's a reason why that is such a powerful thing. It's one of those powerful things we see all over the place in Christmas. There's something about Christmas. It captivates our hearts. Even those people who don't understand what Christmas is really about. Like there's this idea of love that still captivates us. There's this promise in Christmas of love. Something I think everybody on this planet desires. It is a powerful and beautiful and desirable thing. Love. Love is the topic of the majority of our songs. Love sneaks its way into almost all of our films, movies, TVs, all of those things, especially right now, Christmas season, like just go onto the Hallmark Channel and there's like 7 million like love stories and they're like all the same. I think they use the same sets and the same wardrobe and the same story, but somehow some of y'all have watched every one of them, right? Um, every single one of them. Uh, but like, there's just something about it, isn't there? Like, it's like, we just kind of want that. And so we're constantly looking for it. And, it's, and it, it kind of just seeps its way into all of these different places of our lives and our stories. We even bring it into our sports. Like when we at the Super Bowl, we find that one or two stories we can anchor onto of the mom who sacrificed for that guy to be able to make it to the Super Bowl or, or the, the wife who went through a very difficult time. And, and, and there's, there's always these stories. We try to insert this idea of love into everything. We spend much of our lives dreaming about it, wishing for it, hoping for it, longing that one day we'll find it. Many of us try to earn it. Yeah, there's even times in our lives, like the Grinch, where we harden ourselves to it. But because of wounds or betrayals or difficulties in our own lives or relationships, we begin to build walls up. The fact of the matter is, is that what this should represent and remind us of is that we are all made for it. We're all made for it. We are made to want and desire to be known at the deepest part of who we are. 
to known and yet still be loved, to be accepted, to be valued. With that said, we spent a lot of time this Christmas season where we've been trying to articulate the contrast between the world and what Christ offers. And so we even did that with our stage. Not that any of these things are bad, but the point of this is to say that, that the world can have this without Jesus. That the world can seek for hope without Jesus, and the world can seek without peace without Jesus, and the world can seek love without Jesus. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters, even if you never get this, is this. Amen? And we spend a lot of time trying to contrast that. And I could do the same thing with love. We could talk about the false view of love that this world pushes upon us and propagates all over the place, how it's changed our worldviews and made us change the way we view things like divorce and, and sexual identity, how love has to be about affirmation and has to be about fulfilling me and meeting my needs. And, and I could do all of those things, and, I, and, I, and we have done many of those things, but I don't want to rehash that this morning. This morning, I want to talk about something very, very specific, because here's something we miss a lot. There's a lot of good and beauty in the love that we see in the world, too, isn't there? It certainly isn't perfect, but there's a reason why we get goosebumps at those corny movies. There's a reason why we get those goosebumps at a scene as simple as what I just explained in The Grinch Stole Christmas. When someone is willing to stand at great odds and sacrifice. There's a reason why we get goosebumps when we see someone pour themselves out for people that have special needs or challenges. We are drawn to those stories. We're drawn to the stories of spouses who lay themselves down as the other one is fighting diseases. Or couples who have stayed together through thick and thin from 50 years. I'm always thinking about the scene in the Titanic. Yeah, I know that ages me, like the 1997 version. Uh, but when the boat's sinking, there's a scene of like an elderly couple holding hands together in bed as the water comes up around them. Like there's reasons even why the world can capture these aspects and these things in our lives. Believers are not the only ones who do these things. They're not the only ones that want Christmas trees full of presents for their kids. They're not the only ones who are willing to sacrifice for justice and care. They're not the only ones who love their kids and love their spouses. There are people who don't know Jesus who care deeply about loving the people around them. There are people who don't know Jesus who care deeply about wanting to be loved. They care about the hurting. They care about justice. There's people who don't know Jesus that still want love. And while all that is true, and while there is absolutely some good there, because we all carry the image of God in us still, while that's true, there's always going to be something else that's true. Our love as humans can never, ever, ever be strong enough. And you might say, strong enough for what? Well, the re quick response to that is anything. Our love can never be strong enough to satisfy needs. It can never be strong enough to give us what we want, to give us what we think we need. Our love can never be strong enough. I love Karen deeply. And I try my best to love her with a self-sacrificing, self-giving, patient, kind, gentle kind of love where, where I seek her good even at my own expense. But for all that it's worth, I am simply limited by what I can guarantee when it comes to my life, my wife. For example, I desire that my wife would never experience want. 
But no matter how much I try, no matter how much I work, no matter how much I try to, to provide for her, sooner or later, I'm going to fail. I'm going to. I can't give everything that she needs. I can't give everything that she wants. I desire that my wife would never have hurt because of a bad decision that I make. But the truth of the matter is, I don't know what's coming most of the time. I don't know what the future looks like. And so I can plan and I can strive and I can think and I can do all those different things that are right and good and true. But sooner or later, I'm going to make a bad decision. Anybody else? Because that's who we are. Like, I can desire that my wife never experience pain or hurt by betrayal or a harsh word. But listen, if you've been married long enough, you know that as much as you may desire that for your spouse, sooner or later, you're going to fail. And you're not only going to be able to protect your loved one from injury, but you're going to be the cause of injury to your loved one. We've all experienced this. Like our love, as much as we might intend for it to work these things out and be strong and to be perfect and give us the happy ever after kind of life, our love is never going to be strong enough. No matter how much we love somebody, no matter how much we try, we are guaranteed to disappoint. We are guaranteed to hurt those that we claim to love the most. I love how J.I. Packer communicates this idea. He says, human love, for all its power in other ways, and I'm going to pause there, like, there is a real power in human love, and there's a real good in human love. Like, I already talked about that. Like, we, we get really easy about demonizing the world all the time, but there's good there, too, because it's hard to keep and not acknowledge God. It's there. He's there, even when we try to push it away. But human love, for all its power in other ways, cannot ensure that what is desired for the beloved will actually happen. As multitudes of star-crossed lovers and heartbroken parents know, divine love is a function of omnipotence, ultimate and unlimited power, and has at its heart an almighty purpose to bless which cannot be thwarted. I want to read this again. Human love, for all its power in other ways, cannot ensure that what is desired for the beloved will actually happen. As multitudes of star-crossed lovers and heartbroken parents know, divine love is a function of omnipotence, ultimate and unlimited power, and has at its heart an almighty purpose to bless, which cannot be thwarted. So while our love, no matter how good is and much is intended, no matter how full of goosebumps, how much emotion is behind it, how much effort we put into it, cannot guarantee anything to the one we love. It can't guarantee it. It can promise to try. It can, can promise to seek it, but we can't guarantee it because we're fallible and because we're limited and because we don't have all the resources we are going, the only thing we can ensure is that our love will ultimately fail. Now, it may not fully fail, but it's going to have those moments of failure. And this is contrasted directly with God. And it's what I want us to see today. It's what I want us to fix our eyes upon during this Christmas season, which is this. God's love cannot fail. Like It can't be thwarted. His intention for you and for me is, in his love for us, 
cannot be thwarted ever. It can't. Nothing threatens it. That's why when God makes a statement like he does in Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When he makes that statement, we know it's solid and true. He can actually do this. He means it. Because unlike you or me, he is powerful enough to make sure that it happens. Unlike you or me, he is wise enough to ensure that it happens. Unlike you or me, he is knowledgeable enough to know what's actually best for us. Like, crazy stuff. Every season, it seems like there's a new fad, a new thing that comes around. And so as a parent, I can read an article about how gluten is the worst thing for your kids, and if you truly love them, you'll remove all gluten from their diet, right? And I can do that with all intention that, oh, I love my kids, and I want to make sure that they have a great life, and that they live flourishing life, and that they never get cancer, and they never die. Then what's going to happen, we all know what's going to happen, right? Next year, they're going to come out with a study that the gluten-free stuff is giving us all cancer. And I'm like, oh, no. I thought I was trying my best with what I knew to be true to give the best thing for my kids. Listen, that didn't happen with God. So when God says, I know the plans I have for you and their plans to prosper you, he never makes a mistake. He never messes up. He never goes, oh, man, I didn't know that study was going to come out by Harvard. I didn't know that that psychologist was going to come back and say that that was damaging to kids. I didn't know that we shouldn't eat cupcakes every day. Like, he's not going to do that. So even when we don't know that the things that are going on in our lives, they look hard and they look difficult and they look challenging, we are able to proclaim this reality because God is able, even in the midst of hard things, to be loving and to carry out his loving intention for you and for me. Because you know why? He isn't just looking at this day. He's looking at eternity. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad that that's the biggest thing that he has in his mind. Now, it needs to be stated, this promise, this intent of God to know our plan, the plans they have for us, to seek our welfare and our good, this is not for everyone. And that's a harsh reality, isn't it? This promise is for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and have become sons and daughters of the living God through the reconciling, redeeming work of the little baby we celebrate at Christmas. This promise is not a guarantee for those outside of that position. So listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I'm sorry, this isn't a guarantee for you. And that may seem like a harsh thing, but it would be unloving for me to make you believe this is available to you if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus. I'll give you an analogy of this. Most of you know 
that uh, Karen and I have adopted a little girl named Jade. We've had her now for a little over four years. We're getting ready to adopt another little guy named Andrew from Thailand. We're super excited for that. In fact, we just got our papers back from Washington, D.C. yesterday. And so it's probably still only like two years down the road, but that's the way it works. But nonetheless, like when we think about that, like there are millions of orphans in this world. And there are only two that have access to my love. Think about that for a minute. There are only two that have access to my love in a sense that they can trust my love to be poured out on them. That I would seek to give to them, to bend myself for them, to sacrifice for them, to care for them. No matter what they do, they're secure in my home. All those other orphans, as much as they need someone to step into that, I can't do it. And so here's the thing. If you are a child of God... He has decided, he has committed to love you. But if you're outside of that kingdom, that promise is not for you. Now it's available to you. Let me be really clear, that's the point of Christmas. His love is available to you. Because we were all orphaned to him. In fact, the scripture says we were all hostile to him. We were dead to him. But as 1 John said, he manifested, he showed his love to us that by sending his son, we might see it. We might know it. We might have access to it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. These are all texts that you're probably familiar with. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ has reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Or Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, for in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, you and me, those who were not Reconciled. Now we get to be reconciled, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. For those who are made alive in Christ, who have put their trust and their faith and their hope in him, who believe him to be Lord of all, raised from the dead, seated at the throne of God, who believe that his ways are greater than your ways and his thoughts are greater than your thoughts, and you have laid your life down to follow him, then That same God who reconciled you has now promised to turn all of his might, all of his power, all of his wisdom, and bend it for your good. I said this last week, but we need to hear this over and over and over again. Because we can forget it. Because we look at our circumstances. And we look at what's going on in our life, and we're like, oh, this doesn't feel like a very loving thing. No, no, no. God knows he is wise, and he has bent himself to the point of dying for us. He has bent himself because he is love. And there are millions of people out there that are rejecting that every day because they refuse to acknowledge God and they refuse to submit to him and lay their lives down in faith towards him. But for those who are in Christ, God was made flesh so we might know his love. We might abide in his love. 
So now, for you and me, his almighty purpose is to bless us. And that cannot be thwarted. Now, blessing looks different than it does from the world. We've talked about that. But nonetheless, it cannot be thwarted. That's why Paul writes to us in Romans chapter 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? Like I, 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 I do, but don't we at times struggle to? Like, don't we at times when, when death, for example, comes for us or someone we love, don't we struggle to believe that? But what I love about this verse is it doesn't say that his love is going to be apparent in the absence of tribulation. It says it's going to be apparent through tribulation, in the midst of tribulation. So when that loved one is dying and that loved one is passing on, we can still proclaim, no, no, nothing is going to separate my loved one from the love of Jesus Christ. In fact, it is going to draw my loved one into the, the bosom of Abraham, as the scripture says, into the presence of Jesus who will never be departed again. And their inheritance is sure. Like, this is an amazing text. He said, I love my wife, but there is a lot of these things that I just read in that verse that can thwart my desire to love my wife well. I'd love to love my wife by taking her on a trip for our 20th anniversary that's going to come up in the next couple of years. That's my hope and my plan. But you know what? One blown engine in my car thwarts that. Right? Like any of these things, I can, I can read any of these things, and they're going to they're gonna thwart my best intentions. My best desire to give Karen a life of peace can easily be thwarted by persecution of another person. I can't even bring justice to it. But God's desire to give peace can never be thwarted if our peace is in Jesus and his place upon the throne and his promise to remove all sin and brokenness from our lives. My best desire to provide for my wife, provision, can easily be thwarted. All we need to do is have a crash in the stock market or double the inflation rate, and now suddenly I'm not able to provide. But guess what? God can always provide and give exactly what we need and exactly when we need it. You know, I think about this text. And I'll just be honest, one of the hardest things, like I, I, can, I can trust in the faith and, and, and the promises of God when it comes to things like persecution or challenges. You know where my hardest time is? Sometimes I feel like I can separate myself from the love of God. Like I look at myself in the mirror and I know the wickedness of my heart. I know that as much as I want to follow Christ, there are days I don't. And there's times I come to the table of communion and I, I feel the doubts. I feel like, man, like, I know persecution can't separate me from the love of Christ, but and I'm a mess. I'm full of doubts and sin. 
and I lift off with this person, or I wasn't kind to this person, or I didn't share the gospel with this person, or I wasn't a good husband, or I wasn't a good father, I was selfish, I was broken. And, and, and I look at myself, and I'm like, I, I, maybe I can separate myself from the love of Christ. And I want to say that because I think we can look at persecutions and we can look at famines and nakedness and danger and sword and be like, yeah, none of that separates us from the love of Christ. But I would contend and I would bet that there is a whole lot of you that walk in a daily doubt that God's grace and mercy is sufficient for you. I know because I counsel people. I know it because I struggle with it. But what I love about this text in Romans chapter 8 is that it doesn't start with Romans chapter 8. Literally, the chapter before this is Romans chapter 7, where Paul says, why do I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do? And he cries out, like, who is going to deliver me from this body of death? Praise be to Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen? And then Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is, now for, or there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's like he knows this is going to be our greatest temptation. If you desire to follow Christ and you desire to be repentant of your sin and you are fighting that sin in your life, even your sin cannot separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. And some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you need to walk in that, not just today, but tomorrow and, and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday until you walk in here again on Sunday and you need to be reminded about it again because the enemy is constantly trying to accuse you. Now listen, this is not a license to sin. Please don't hear that. But I do think we need to understand and we do need to be reminded that Christ's love his promise to seek our good, to know the plans he has for us. Like we're not strong enough to mess that up any more than persecution or death is. And if death can't do it, neither can your failures. You just need to be reminded that as you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive them. So here's how I want to end this morning. An encouragement to all who are listening to this who are in Jesus. And so there's two different categories of people. Those who are in Jesus, those who are not in Jesus. But those who are in Jesus, I want you to add whatever you are going through this morning to that list in Romans 8. So who shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? My mom passed away. My wife just passed away. I just found out I have cancer. I just lost my job. And I want you to add whatever is weighing upon your shoulders to that list this Christmas season. And I want you to be reminded and encouraged and find rest that the truth of Jesus Christ is that that cannot thwart his love for you. That thing cannot separate you from the loving intentions of your God. He will carry it through. And he sees all of it. He knows all of it. He knows what is best. He knows what the best end is of everything in our lives. We may not get it, but he does. And he sees, and he has shown us his love for us in Jesus, so don't doubt it. His love for us in Jesus is as solid as the mountains. 
Sometimes it may feel like the things that he gives us or allows to happen to us are painful. They're frustrating. They may even seem unloving. But we don't see the end. And he does. We don't see eternity. He's in eternity. And his gifts are always perfect and they are always good because he knows the plans that he has for you and they are plans to prosper you and plans for your welfare. They are not for evil. Trust his love. Trust his ability to ensure all that he desires for you. To those who are listening who don't know Christ, those who don't know Jesus, and I really mean those who don't know Jesus. And what I mean, I don't mean someone who just has understanding about certain facts or, man, you're glad you came to church and you know certain things about Jesus, stories about Jesus. I mean, truly know Jesus. Those who have placed their trust and faith in Jesus, who have laid their lives down declaring that he is their Lord and Savior. To you I say this. The love that you can find in this world feels good. It promises much. It has a power to it. It has beauty to it. It oftentimes feels intoxicating for us. We long for it. We want it. And maybe you have found the best that this world has to offer regarding love. Maybe you found it. If you have... I think it's unlikely that any of you really feel this way, but if you do, and if you really think that, regardless of what you think, that love that you have with all of its wrappings, with all of its lights, with all of its promises, cannot ensure a future for you. It cannot ensure any of the desires that you want it to bring about. It will fail you. It promises life, but it can't guarantee it. It promises affirmation, but doesn't know what is best for you. It promises to provide, but doesn't have the power to fulfill that promise. It promises to be known, but always keeps up barriers. It promises stability, but will sooner or later falter. My prayer for you is that you would see the love of God made visible to you at Christmas in this little manger, in this little baby that you will see the self-sacrificial, unconditional, and powerful love of the almighty God. And you will give yourself into his hands. They're the only hands strong enough to love you well. They're the only hands strong enough to never fail. Because his love never does. And so we're going to close this morning with a song of worship. And listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I pray and I hope that as you sing this song, you have a different perspective of the love of God that is for you in Christ Jesus and the promise that he has plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans that are not for evil but that are for you and that he will never forsake you or leave you. And I pray that you will have a, a whole new view of that and have that affirmed in your life and that you will walk in that love I pray this morning that if you don't know Jesus, that you will answer his call. So as we close and sing this song, I want to invite you to a time of prayer. 
And if you want prayer, you want to talk to somebody about giving yourself to Jesus, we're going to be down at the front available to talk with you. If you know Christ, but you just struggled to abide in his love, maybe you're one of those people that's just like, man, I feel like I can separate myself from the love of God because of my own sins. And you need someone to be the hands and feet of Christ to like encourage you, to love you, to pray with you. We would love to do that. If you're struggling in any way, shape, or form to believe the love of God in your life because of a circumstance or because of a challenge, like we want to pray with you. You shouldn't have to walk alone. That verse that we read in 1 John is a call for us to love one another because of the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. And we want to do that for you. And so as we sing, as we close in this time of worship, I want to invite you to come down. Come down and receive prayer. Pray with me. Father, it's really easy for us during Christmas to miss your love for us. But that's what it's all about. It's about the fact that you have manifested your love for us in your son, the fullness of God, who grew up, lived, and was brutally killed upon the cross that we might be reconciled back to you and then was raised himself up to life to guarantee for us the promise of resurrection, guarantee for us that that sacrifice was accepted, to guarantee for us the promise that you have made through him that all people who come to Jesus and confess him to be Lord. All people who believe that he is the son of God and to believe in him for life and for sin to be covered, all people will be reconciled and redeemed and all people will come underneath your mighty love. Lord, I pray we would be reminded of that this season. Amen. it would strengthen us to the future that is ahead. And I pray for those that are in this room they are looking for love, not to be funny, but they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Lord, that you would convict their heart to see that it is the wrong place and it will never fulfill because it's just simply not strong enough. And they might come to you. Lord, I pray and ask these things in your name. Amen.